Yep, ready when you are, man. All right. Oh, nice. Hey, guys. Steve here. Potent Phonics. Today, we're going to talk about... Growing with fishes. Growing with fishes. Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing With Fishes podcast, episode 333. I can't believe we've had this many episodes already. Um, thanks everybody for checking this out. Uh, we, this week we have uh, Siam, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Siam Smoke Sessions with us uh, to talk about uh, Thailand and their podcast and the cool events and stuff that they've been part of and, and uh, kind of a little bit about what, what they got going on. So um, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure. And uh, before we get started, let me play our quick uh, uh, ad for our classes before we uh, go on a little further. If you're looking for more education on aquaponic cannabis, please consider the aquaponic cannabis masterclass at apmjclass.com featuring over seven days of in-depth, hands-on educational content with Marty Waddell and Stephen Reisner as your guides through the aquaponic cannabis universe. We'll cover everything from construction of large commercial facilities, uh, home size systems, backyard systems, nutrients, pest control, diseases, everything you can think of, and, uh, and so much more. So be sure to check that out at apmjclass.com. And if you're looking for aquaponic cannabis or living soil uh, pest control courses, please check out uh, thepestclass.com, where we have a huge in-depth course on pest control, how to make your own um, biocontrols, as well as in-depth guides and identification guides for a whole slew of different pests that you might encounter in your aquaponics garden. And it's not strictly just geared towards cannabis. It's also geared towards vegetables as well. So be sure to check that out if it's something you think you might need to improve in your education. All right. Well, um, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, we had a chance to meet these guys up at, um, in Chiang Mai. And um, there was a big uh, event up there. Um, what was the name of that one? I don't remember. Uh, Thai High Convention, wasn't it? Thai High Convention. That's what it was, yes. That was a lot of fun, uh, and uh, you guys have been putting out a lot of great content for the, the Thai community in terms of um, podcast content on, on different interviewing different breeders. One of our friends, Infamous, was uh, Infamous Gardens was just on your your show last week or last episode, I guess two days ago. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just just excited to have you on. So thanks a lot for joining us. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little about your show and and what you got going on. Sure, man. And thank you. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on here. This is kind of like why I like doing it. I like the whole networking aspect of all this industry. It's nice to talk to different people. Uh, so to introduce myself, um, a lot of people know me as Sita. That's kind of my Thai name, I guess you could say. I guess a few Farangs now kind of gather a Thai name when they get to Thailand. Um, I, I'm just a British born stoner, really. Uh, kind of always been into cannabis for like well not even just cannabis like growing plants in general since i was a kid i come from kind of a 
British gardening farmer style background. So I kind of got into it from that. When you realize that tomato plants and canvas plants are quite similar and growing, you kind of uh, get a bit excited in the process. Um, so I guess I got really like interested in Thailand even before I was interested in cannabis. So my background in Thailand is really kind of a bit of a religious one. I came over as more of like a Buddhist expat and stuff to begin with back in 2013 and so on and kind of fell in love with the country. And then when June 9th and everything hit, it just became even better, you know? And uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, what are some of the things that you like about Thailand? The, the first thing I always tell people is that the food here is incredible. The, the, as a British person, you know, our food is terrible. So coming to Thailand, it is a massive, massive pleasure to enjoy Thai food. So um, what made you decide to start uh, your own podcast, and uh, especially a cannabis podcast? So what I came back over for the first time after COVID in September, just to kind of be like, oh, well, things are decriminalized here. I kind of want to check it out. And honestly, kind of blew me out the water with the sense of how things are like going and how it's rolling and stuff. It's incredible to see kind of the embraced culture connotations of cannabis and stuff and i was just overwhelmed and you know to see the country that i love more than any other country in the world kind of embrace the plant i was just like okay i know varied amount of people that are into this topic and subject i want to talk about it because uh, to me it's kind of like thailand's having its like a 60s revolution in a way and i'm like really hoping that it's going to continue to go this way so like doing the podcast for me especially is kind of being like i want to promote the good sides of all this especially with everything that's going on in media especially thai media we know what thai media likes to be like and i'm just hoping it continues to go this kind of happy good way so that's kind of why i got into doing the podcast oh, it's really good it's always nice to see people try to put a positive uh a side of things on it you know you do see the occasional positive article uh in the thai uh thai news but most of it tends to be kind of trying to blame cannabis for all sorts of unrelated you know social or, or economic problems uh, that had nothing to do with cannabis and existed long before you know cannabis was part of the scene so um yeah it, it certainly can be uh, something i'm and and also with the elections coming up that you know the whole thing could be uh could be an interesting uh interesting and, and different world here come uh, the end of May, but hopefully that things kind of stay the way they are. And I think that, you know, at least fingers crossed enough money is now uh, moved into the cannabis side of the market to, to kind of keep it around. I do, I do uh, foresee them taxing it finally, though. It is uh, strange that it's the only legal cannabis market without any type of taxation on the federal level or, or any kind of governmental level, which is very unique, I'll put it that way. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to see because, you know, you look at California and Canada and how they kind of went the route. And especially with how Thailand is regarding money and kind of being a bit of a capital, capitalist country in the Southeast Asia, it's a bit weird that they haven't already been like, well, this thing's going to go big. Why don't we get some money out of it? So 
I think that's definitely what's going to come. And I think a lot of the politics that's going on now, a lot of the drama is just really them. They're just trying to work out how they're going to get their money and who's going to get what share of money. And I don't see cannabis going anywhere in Thailand, to be honest. Like the cat's out of the bag now. It's you can't really they're not going to be putting all the prisoners back. And the amount of people that are in the industry would quadruple the amount of prisoners there would be in the first place, you know. So I, I, I'm kind of hopeful that like a lot of things are going to stay. I think they're probably just going to go down a bit, like lean towards the medical side of things and put taxation on, like you said. But I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I think the the government's definitely going to have to see how much of an impact it's already had on the country and that it's, you know, it's not something they should get rid of. I don't know why that, but it's a great source for painkillers. That's an alternative to a lot of the other, you know, ones that can be a little bit more problematic. Although in Thailand, you can get Kratom pretty much anywhere, which is, you know, a heck of a lot better than a lot of the options they give you in the United States. That's for sure. Oh, definitely. Compared to especially places like America, I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't want to imagine kind of what the pharmaceutical industry is like in America. It's bad enough in England and like, especially in Thailand, I know a lot of people kind of who I'd never thought would be interested in cannabis who have gotten into it because of this medicinal side. Like I met a few like older people while over there that they've kind of switched off some of these painkillers and stuff to lean towards like more like the cannabis oils and tinctures and stuff, which is both a good thing for like, them and a good thing for talking about the positive sides of cannabis because you know the media likes to focus on like oh there's a picture of a kid with a bong or whatever stupid thing they're on about but like not every person that is in the industry quote unquote is a stoner so you know there's people that are honestly going just down a medicinal route of this and it's been quite nice to see a lot of my kind of people i know and stuff being able to have a more natural healthy way of living that's not going to a a pharmacy every other week to pick up a prescription and live off that way it's it's been nicer to know that like especially with how it's going and how open it is you know people are even growing their own medicine so that's like decreasing prices for them as a medical patient which i think is brilliant because you know I view cannabis as very much a medicinal thing and like that's how I first got into it like originally is through the medicinal side like seeing people over here with the cancer and stuff and I lost like my granddad to cancer and stuff so it's quite big that's really how I got into it looking at the medicinal stuff and I'm kind of glad that Thailand when was it back in 2018 19 like it was when they started was the medical route and seeing the universities and different things get involved was really interesting to see because I think not only for a consumer basis of cannabis with Thailand legalizing, it's going to help the medical field a lot because Thailand is quite a medical driven country when it comes to kind of jobs. You know, a lot of people in Thai are in the medical field. So it's going to open up and broaden a lot of things for understanding cannabis a lot more when the stigma comes down as well. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny too, like my next door neighbor here, I have a, a elderly couple that lives next door to me and they have their, their daughter and, and uh, her kids. I don't, I don't really know where the, uh, I guess the, uh, the, her husband works in Bangkok or something. He's never, never around much, but um, they come over and they, they know that we have a lot of cannabis plants and we give them all of our veg leaves and they dry it and make soup out of it. They like powder it and use it as like a soup thickener. Uh, that's like uh, really good for you. So 
I, I was hoping maybe you could touch a little bit on on how you know people in Thailand really utilize the whole plant. Like even the fan leaves, they're they're eating as a food, you know, as a regular leafy green, or even as just like a powdered, you know, soup thickener and stuff like that. What what are kinds of other methods have you seen people uh, consume cannabis? I mean, we've, we've cannabis as well. It's not even just about consuming. Like a lot of the Thai varieties of cannabis, land races specifically, grown for like production value, um, hemp clothing, and so on and so forth. And like back in the day, I literally most Muay Thai wrappings and stuff you get would be hemp and stuff. And when that kind of dwindled out because of different like westernization and stuff. But now I know a few like even uh, a few of my friends growing cannabis just to like utilize to sell to my tie fighters for their wraps and stuff so that's cool as well and yeah it, it, thailand has like a habit of not really letting anything go to waste and the same like thing happens when with cannabis like i think the first introduction with me in cannabis in thailand was through like the food and stuff especially like i mean we see some of the places that are a bit like cringy like um uh, cannabis leaps on a pizza or whatever but like traditionally it's been used in food for years and years and years and years. Like um, some people don't understand, like traditional Thai medicine comes from like Ayurvedic medicine in India. And again, one of the most prominent medicines deeply religiously and connotationally was bang and uh, ganja and so on and so forth. So people are like, uh, get this, um, God, I'm rambling, <laughs> but um yeah so the medical side is really really old it's not just a new thing now that they've like legalized medicine they're like oh well we can let's make it a medicine it's actually been going on for years and years like when burma and all the siamese wars that were going on you know there was a few tales that you can find on in thai online of soldiers that would use uh cannabis like a painkiller after battle like they do in india with the sikhs and stuff and i think Thailand's a unique country because it kind of is a capsule for a lot of different cultures and a lot of different, especially philosophies. And like not only with the Ayurvedic medicine, there's the Chinese medicines as well, where there's some uses of um, different extracts from cannabis and teas and stuff. So watching like how Thailand's embraced it fully as a medicine is quite interesting. And again, I'm really excited to see what more innovations come out and even just speaking on the food again it was i was going through instagram the other day and there's like michelin star chefs in thailand being like trained to use cannabis in their food now which is really cool to see you know i'm when i mean i'm not a big fan of the whole cookies and shit thing but it was kind of cool to see when burner was home with her that they were talking about cannabis infused meals and stuff even not like street food that we see but even on the high grade so it's kind of interesting to think that maybe some of our MPs and parliamentary people in Thailand might be snacking on cannabis food just because it's fine dining in the future. Yeah, it's definitely um, uh, an interesting aspect of it. Um, you also mentioned bong. Do you want to mention that what that is for people that are, are less familiar with it? Uh, uh, if you guys aren't familiar, that's a usually a type of milk-based cannabis drink. But uh, do you want to maybe you can walk us through that if you have a lot of more knowledge on it than I do. Sure. Um, 
how I actually got introduced to bang as a kind of medicinal substance wasn't through the kind of Hindu or Vedic or Thai route. Um, I have a lot of Sikh friends. A lot of them are, are Nihang Singh, which is the warrior caste in the Sikh. And they, uh, back in the day, would make a ceremonial uh, kind of bang drink that they would take before and after battle to be able to deal with pains and kind of, you know, you don't really want to go to battle fully conscious. I mean, if you're a hardened warrior, sure, but a lot of people, you know, need a little something to uh, make it a little bit easier. So like bang, uh, there's, it's interesting. There's different, there's, there's old, old, old recipes. And again, like mainly it's like a milk kind of substituted drink, um, Kind of like a milkshake is the best way to put it. If you've, you, people have probably heard of like bang lassies and stuff, but even just um, that, like that's a very modern sense. Um, there's also like the old, 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 old style of bang drinks where there's other like herbal kind of additives to it, like rose petals and different nuts and stuff. So it's always kind of been used as this kind of medicinal thing all around the world. And it's kind of, interesting to take in because a lot of people uh especially with like edibles and stuff that i've noticed people kind of focus on the the brownies the cookies and stuff but i think it's going to be interesting if thailand does kind of open up that stuff that the food side and like especially spang type drinks will probably pop off a lot in thailand Definitely looking forward to that for sure. I was going to ask you, see if I can find this, what the name of this is, uh, Ka, Ka P Pikachu, Pikachu, A-A-P-I-K-A-T-C-H-U, -A -A it's a velvet bean or Makuna Proensis bean. Do they mix that with the in the bong at all? Oh, I so I have heard of it, but not in like a tradition. They may have done it traditionally, but I know more of it in kind of more modern. Um, sure. Like a lot lately, people are looking into like more alternative herbal based like supplements and stuff. And there was I know a few people that have been kind of doing that kind of thing, but. Again, I'm not well versed on the traditional side of that. Sure, yeah, it was just uh, something that I've had a, a lot of interesting work with, and uh, something that isn't very heavily based in India and Pakistan, mm. that same region you're talking about, but has L dopa in it, which is a precursor to dopamine, and uh, yeah, basically a pro drug for, for dopamine. Yeah, and with, again, mixing that with something like herbal traditional medicine with cannabis seems would be pretty beneficial, you know. Having a natural source of L-Dopa is something I think a lot of people need. Oh, yeah. In fact, that bean was first used for, um, there was an incident called the Love Canal accident up in New York. There was this chemical I don't even know if they know what chemical it was. Maybe they figured it out since then, but um, there was this chemical spill and it went into the drinking supply and it basically like killed everyone's ability to create dopamine. So all these people were like robots and like they could listen to commands and stuff, but they couldn't really think for themselves or have much free will. They were like kind of trapped. 
And then they realized one day a lamp fell and it was like going to hit this lady. And she immediately like flinched and had like an emergency reaction to like save herself from getting hit by this lamp. And then they realized that it was from that reaction, they were able to determine that it was probably dopamine that was locked out. So they started giving them dopamine originally derived from Makuna Parensis beans. And um, they were able to kind of get these people to be able to communicate again and, and kind of unlock their, their brain again uh, in a weird way. So, um, and not only that, but it's been used in Pakistan and India for, you know, 3000 plus years for treating dementia and, and just elder, you know, de mental decline in, in old age. It, it, it makes me kind of intrigued with, uh, especially knowing that like Thai medicine comes from an Ayurvedic background now that cannabis is legalized and stuff, kind of what other medicines have we been missing? Like, you know, the Makuna. Um, like, I, I think it was, is it the movie Awakenings with Robbie, Robin Williams? It talks about this, this what happened. And I, what, yeah, it was. I watched it not long ago. And it was interesting to see, you know, because you always kind of look at like pharmaceutical things as being like, they've got to go in a lab and mix all these chemicals together and stuff. But when I watched the movie, it was kind of interesting to be like, oh, no, it's just kind of this velvet bean plant and they're extracting the L-dopa from that. And yeah, it's a good, it's, that's a good movie. I would recommend it to everyone. And, and it's kind of cool knowing it's based on a true story. I'll have to check that out. I've never, I didn't know that Robin Williams did a drug movie like that. That's pretty sweet. It's it's pretty good. He plays um the main kind of pharmaceutical doctor that works it out, and it's pretty interesting to see. I forget who else is in it, but the acting is brilliant for kind of displaying the uh kind of sedated state that these people are in. It's definitely a uh, a famous incident for sure. Um. So uh, what kind of, um, you know, uh, what have you learned in your time doing the, the podcast here in, in Thailand and what are some of the more interesting uh, things that you've come across? Oh, God. So, again, like with cannabis, it's one of the interesting things, I guess, is kind of the whole strain and genetic background of Thailand. Because I, I, like a lot of people don't realize that like these modern genetics they have now, if you go way back to original sources, a lot of it comes from land races. And it's interesting to see people's kind of reactions to land races and stuff with weed, because it's very different to how, you know, these modern day hybrids are. And, you know, I've got a lot of friends that are growing traditional styles like squirrel tail, mango tie, um, tensori red star and stuff. And like that's been my main interest is discovering these different types of plants. Like I was watching your um, live with Kanatai seeds yesterday and it was really cool to see the duck foot that you guys are growing at the moment. And just all these different kind of styles of the, like growing and the plant it's interesting because you know i come from this british background of like we don't grow outdoors we can't do that <laughs> and so like going from these spare room indoor kind of grows and like being in thailand and seeing this kind of more wild natural approach has been really really cool to see i mean 
I'm, I'm when I'm over there, I've got like grow plans and stuff. I'm definitely not looking forward to getting used to the the pests and the insects. That that's definitely going to be a bit of a learning curve from me being kind of a indoor grower with cannabis, outdoor grower with tomatoes or whatever. But we don't have the same amount of problems that like Thailand does. But yeah, the main interesting things is just the style of growing and the different types of growing, the different plants. It's, you know, we've kind of been brought up the past couple of years with just like Amsterdam strains, Californian strains. And I think now we've got this completely different climate on the other side of the world that's allowed to thrive. It's going to be interesting to see what comes out on pretty much all levels of it. Um already there's like what you guys are doing what uh, kind of Thai seeds is doing and everything and it's kind of inspiring to see this new wave of creation going on with kind of something that wasn't allowed to be created with I, I, I mentioned on our podcast a lot it's like being a music artist and you've like <laughs> you've a music artist and you've kind of like made a hit song yo hey buddy <laughs> Got yeah, and, you're hanging out as well. Sorry, crap, brother. Hey, I'm. Re- I'll be ready. I'm ready now. Whenever you're ready, bro. <laughs> Sweet homie. Yeah, yeah it's in- finished. All good. All good. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting seeing what like you guys and everyone's doing with cannabis and stuff because before it was, especially with Thailand, it, like I said, my kind of. Um, I kind of frame it as like if you were a, a, a record selling musician and stuff and you've made a hit song, but you're not allowed to put your name on it. You're not allowed to have any connotations with yourself with this product. But now you can. And that's like what it is for me with cannabis is now you, you can, a lot of people can express themselves like it's interesting seeing the different types of people and what they're expressing and what they're doing. And I can't hate on anyone for trying or what they're doing. You know, I even the kind of westernization, it's still interesting to see because it's kind of this new revolutional wave hot pot that's happening. And I think there's going to be good conflict, bad conflict, and there's going to be a sharing of ideas and knowledge. And it's just, I'm really excited for like the next 10 years. I think it's going to be 10 years that a lot of stoners weren't expecting to happen. There's going to be a lot of different shit coming out. There's going to be people that we, we've we never heard of popping out from the underworks and being able to express themselves. So I'm just really excited. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the um, different cultivars that you've had a chance to work with here in Thailand or even uh outside of thailand what are what are some of your favorites that you've worked with uh so i'm 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 a massive fan of kind of the thai mango the uh kind of that terpy and the mycene leaning cultivars over there and but as well is like one plant that I, i i didn't work with personally but helped work with was uh snake teeth and that kind of structure of plant was really really to see these kind of different jagged sativa leaves and structures because like in england we just have these indoor hybrid strains that are big bulky there's no real excitement to it then it might be purple <laughs> but like in thailand there's all these different land race low 
um, not low grade, but lower leveled cultivars that express themselves in very different natural ways. Like, like looking at like what you guys with the duck foot, like when I'm over there, I, I definitely would love to get a cut of that duck foot just to stare at it. The leaf structure is really cool. And I just, that's the kind of things that I like to work with is everyone likes good weed and fireweed, but I like interesting weed. I want something different. I, I don't care if it smells like baby piss for some reason. If it's interesting or kind of different than the norms that I've had, that's what I lean to. And so that's why I really love, like, I, I'm a bit of a land race simp, but I like working with those because I think that's where the newer varieties and the newer kind of shit that's going to come out. Like, mm. like again, when I'm over, over there, like, I'm just excited to grow a lot of what you guys are doing to be honest the freak show line is incredible i gotta say like again anything interesting and see what i like is in england and stuff we kind of grow for needs must if we're going to be doing it it's not a lot of people don't have the money to do stuff as a hobby or to innovate or just to fuck around or experiment you know whereas like the thai scene it seems like there is an availability to do that and when I'm over there, like, I cannot probably list off the top of my head what I want to grow and shit. It's it's too long. <laughs> yeah, man, I, uh, I'm lucky enough to have a, a place where I can pop an ungodly amount. I think we're up to over two, 220 strains or something like that right now Absolutely. at the farm across all the different stuff. So we have over 14,000 plants, not counting the clones right now at the farm. See, that's the shit that makes me excited, man, because like over here, we'd just be stuck growing uh, like one type of dog or one type of gelato because God damn it, that's what everyone wants for some reason. But like the variety over there that I've seen that people have been able to grow, like infamous, my God, the amount of plants that dude has, I I do not, I, I, I feel bad for him, the amount of work he has to do and the amount of work that you guys have to do. Sometimes I know it's like a hobby, but like I admire that kind of work ethic into the variety of things because, especially in the West, there's so much bottlenecking. There's so much just people growing the same shit or just like the state. It's not even the same shit. It's probably the kid parent plants just gone down to dribbled shit of genetics. And it's just one thing. Whereas looking at like people in Thailand, there's been a lot of people obviously growing hype strains and stuff, but I also noticed there's always not, not even not with just you guys, but with a lot of people, there's a lot of variety going on. And that's got me excited as well. And I think that's why Thailand is a good and exciting place for it because Thai people are very creative. Thailand's a very creative place. And I think it kind of enforces and helps these kind of broadened ideas into exploration with this plant. Absolutely, yeah. No, he, um, we've also we're running about forty percent Thai uh, strains right now in terms of land race or or heirloom. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's like Christmas for me when I go over there. It's it's, it's amazing. It's too much stuff to dig through. And and we have what like 200, 250 males. Yeah, of of, of everything too. Beautiful males in there. See, and when you get a male, like in, in England, if you've got a male, be like, oh, God, 
damn it, I gotta throw this away. Whereas like with you guys in Thailand, the ideal and ideal kind of place of like getting a male is it opens up these different opportunities for this new wave of breeding and these new waves of genetics because you know a lot of people are stuck using the same shit in Europe and the West. Whereas you know if you having that many males, you know that's you got to think. 200 times 2 400 that's 400 different types of stuff that you guys could look into already you know it's just going to keep growing it's going to keep innovating and that's the shit that's so exciting is you know what in like 10 20 years and i'm talking to you guys i wonder what like weed's going to be around then i wonder what's came out what's been developed you know there might be some really fucking cool shit and it's just that's exciting to me, especially with being a, a Westerner and stuck in this kind of kind of slow market of everyone is growing gelato, Skittles, runts, whatever. I'm like, okay, in 10 years, finally, there might be something fucking better and different. Well, the best way to do it is to show them like, and he'll tell you because he, we just went through and did a bunch of pheno look hunting yesterday in the grow because we have a lot of testers that are like weeks five, week six, week seven, week eight, depending on what, what batch it is. And um, like we have so much diverse, everything from cheese to rubber fire, tire fires to candy. lemon to candy to citrus to like bready cake red yeah to like spicy lavender sausage like yeah like rotting meat corpse yeah like like like, a, like, a, a, like a hot dog that sat in the sun for a day or so oh what's that one that one smells like you took like a kitchen trash bag and put it out in the sun for like yeah, four or five hours on a hot one. day yeah yeah that one i can't wait to smoke that i know it sounds horrendous on the description but the the turp profile is so loud on it 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 literally smells like you like 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 the chicken, like a rotting chicken in the sun yeah. in a trash bag. So I'm a turp hound. You know, that's the thing. I mean, trichomes, whatever. I, I'm all the terpene. You can trichome, you can add that. You know, that's the way I see it. But of everything that we've dried and cured for at least two weeks now, um, about a third of it, I think, is like really primo. We're definitely keeping those phenos. Uh, we have another third of it that's okay, this definitely has a good notes on it, but it, it needs to finish a little longer. It's still a little bit wet. Um, so that is kind of the maybes. And then we have a bunch that are just not very terpy and we'll, we'll smoke them, or, but they're, they're probably just going to get flowered out and, and not too loud. Yeah. So that'll be, that'll be the pre-roll stuff. And then, and, but I do think we have maybe a hundred and 30 really good phenos right now that are just really, really, really stellar out of the, out of about 2000 plants right now. See, this is why I get excited because like the, the possibilities that are going to come out of like all these variety and different phenos, it's gonna, it's gonna change. I think the market in a lot of senses, because I, I, I tell people, especially with coming to Thailand is if you're coming to Thailand or going to places and we want to try weed or experience weed on a different level don't get the same shit that you'd smoke at home try try something that smells like goddamn hot dogs but like fuck it i don't care if it tastes like hot dog water that's interesting to me like i want that shit and i've like grown out some shit in england and like different strains that i know people would fucking hate 
because it smells like like just a baby's diaper or something or a goddamn unclean bathroom but those expressions and those like i don't know the individual characteristics of cannabis like that is so interesting that's what like makes me go okay that's fucking cool like i get if it tastes nice and sweet and gelatoy okay whatever i want something different i want something fucking weird uh, you know what one of my favorite examples of that is like really good oreo it smells like dmt it smells like that burnt plastic bag like like electrical fire like you plugged in way too many amps into like a power strip kind of smell right like that that's what it smells like and then when you smoke it it tastes like the loudest chocolate taste on your tongue that you've ever had but the fact that that doesn't smell like chocolate it smells like an electrical fire and then it tastes like chocolate that has always blown me away um that can have that kind of difference yeah. but that's always been the loudest chocolate taste the ones that have that that weird plastic smell yeah and i think it's like it's interesting seeing people just go off weed by the smell you know i've had weed that smells horrible but the taste on it or the like the kind of the terpene from the smoke itself is way different from the smell and kind of i think a lot of people probably have dismissed some really good weed because like oh this doesn't smell that good or there's not much of a smell on it even but you know there's multiple kind of layers to terpenes it's not just like smell of the bag I mean, it's cool to have that kind of bag factor, I guess, as people would say. But, you know, again, if it smells fucking weird, try it. Just I, 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 I'm all for people. I want more people to kind of broaden their taste buds. You know, if you're going to come to Thailand and you're going to try Thai food, why are you not going to come to Thailand and try Thai weed? You know. You know, it's interesting, too. So I. My buddy just visited from Canada and we went down to the tourist areas of like Bangkok and we went to Pattaya for a night just to kind of show them the circus that is that place. And then we went down to Koh Samet and then up and around up to Buriram and then around back to the house. And um, it was pretty wild to see. Uh, um, I went around all those places and I was like, uh, I have seeds to trade you or I will buy your Thai seeds. Like, give me some Thai seed. Like, what do you got for Thai seed? And a lot of them had Western seeds they could sell me or they had some brick seeds they could sell me, but they didn't have, very few of them had actual Thai seeds. And a couple of them were super excited when I asked and broke out some really good stuff, but they were like the tiny, maybe five or 10% of the people that I asked um but uh there's definitely something that has been i thought was very strange when I, especially for thailand that you know at least in the tourist areas how there was nobody trying to sell thai seeds to tourists or anything like that it was really strange to me yeah because it is that's such a that was such such like a big thing in amsterdam and back in the day you know is that amsterdam genetics people go for those seeds and stuff and i i've noticed like i've seen cuttings i've seen plants for sale but like again thai genetic seeds i've not seen much of there's been some people like i've asked like similar question to and they're like showing me like like grounded genetic packs and stuff i'm like where where are you getting these like 200 dollars seed packs from i don't i don't want this genetics i want something that's like local or from like the village or whatever i don't want what everyone else is already growing village yeah. you said it the village well, there's yeah. stuff in the village. 
we have a lot of the stuff that we just flowered out that's on week like 11 or 12 right now that's Thai stuff and we just okay it did 12 weeks in the greenhouse we just moved it outside and some of it just cannot handle the heat there is one that on the one side it is just it looks like someone took a blowtorch and just put, or like put it that side onto like a hot plate because it's just brown and the other side that wasn't in direct sunlight is just perfectly looking normal like just still developing like foxtaily tied root buds and it was just because it's been so hot and and not humid at all the last couple of days here in, in Petroboom that uh Twerked it, it just twerked it yeah like there was maybe six or eight of the the group of the thai stuff that just totally melted in the sun but most of them did fine but a couple of them just smoked yeah but you know the, the hard thing is is it's like we've been feeding them pretty heavy and stuff like that and they're just not putting any weight on they might be good for washing or something like that but we or, haven't, or, I, or for breeding. That's not true. We've had a tiny, a tiny minority of them have been nice as far as buds. We've had maybe, maybe the six or eight of the the ties, the first round of tie stuff that we popped that right. that really compares to anything Western in in terms of the yield. I look for I look for structure and hard turf profile. I don't really care about trichome on the land race. It's about really strong smells of the fruit or whatever it is you're after. And then bud size. And I'll use it for hybrid. That's my favorite thing yeah. I like to do. So and what's interesting, and maybe you've noticed this too in Thailand, is like so we where we are in like the rice paddy areas, that tends to be more lemony or lemony and dominant. Mm-hmm. And then once you start to get up a little bit just outside of that and a little bit more in the mountains, it immediately switches to like mango dominant terps. And, and then when you get up north, like Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, then you get a few more other like sandalwood and a little bit of chocolate and stuff like that. But that peach, seems to be peach and a little bit of peach up yeah. there. Yeah. But but uh, that seems to be the biggest um, break, general breakdown, at least with all the different farms and locals I've been trading seeds with and trying to find some some stuff. Um, have you found that to be a similar kind of case or have you found other things that you as well? Yeah, it's been kind of similar. It's, it's interesting. Like, I'd like to see someone kind of create a map of Thailand to kind of show the the different categories of terpenes that are coming out of these different places. And it's kind of made me think, like, we've had Zomia Seed Collective on the past and talking about kind of how Thai, well, not just Thai weed, how weed itself expresses itself naturally in the wild and how that different can happen in different climates all around and it makes me wonder well is it one just a genetics thing or is there also because of the different climates of where it's been grown and you know there's difference in the highland and lowland structures we can already see that from like indian strains and stuff so like it makes me wonder if like all these different factors also kind of complement the strain as well like maybe if i took the same genetics took it to like a lowland rice paddy leveled kind of grow area grew it out there and then also grew the strain out in like the highlands of Chiang Rai and stuff and to see like what different characteristics and phenotypes and stuff would come out of that just even naturally um absolutely yeah and in fact he found I think one of the most interesting ties, what strains of uh, of anything is this this temple. I call it temple Thai or Thai Buddha massive. Oh, Buddha Thai massive. I, yeah. I got it at a, at a local lot, and it's the tallest 
stuff I've seen here in six years of digging through these villages. And it grows like bamboo, man. It grows fast. And it smells like peaches. And it has a beautiful little, on the, where the laterals come off of the stalk, uh, when they get a, when they get about onto their, you know, 10th, you know, when they get about three foot tall or so, they start to get that purple whip. They'll get it like, it looks like someone took a paintbrush and they paint a purple, uh, like an upside down teardrop where, where the river comes out. It's, uh, where the laterals come out. It's cool. It smells like peaches. Yeah. Those ones get massive and here. Vigor. Yes. The yeah. Vigor. Crazy, crazy. Vigor. I had a plant that was pushing by 13, 14 feet tall in eight weeks from seed. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what's the one massive excitedly exciting part of like cannabis in Thailand is there's just these genetics and seeds and stuff just kind of sitting there and it's it takes people like you guys to dig around and like find them because I know a few people that like have been growing really interesting strains and they've got really like no name for it they've just been growing this plant for a few generations in their village and it's just like oh this is we didn't really realize that this had this interesting terpene or this thing we just grow it because it's cannabis and then there's us like westerners coming over like you know we've smelled way weirder different shit and we're like no 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 you've got something here it's gonna take like you guys and stuff to like get this stuff out because i think a lot of people are going to be sitting on gold and not realizing it oh yeah no and we we spend a lot of time trying to go to local events and and like we hang out with some local kids i call them kids they're they're 25 26 they're Mm -hmm. younger than i am so uh, (laughs) i don't mean that in a disrespectful way but they have the, if you guys have seen the Kratom and Cannabis Farm, uh, they're good. They're right up the street from us. And um, they have a mixed farm that has both. The, the Kratom kind of gives a light shade for the cannabis. And uh, you know, they, can, they can harvest both in the same field, which is pretty cool. But um, uh, we were just up at a big event up in, Petra, uh, in Petraboon a couple, couple days ago, um, where it was all just a local event. It was, and the, the entry, to have a table or, or present there was you had to bring seeds to share for other people. So you had to have like some amount of your seeds that were free for people that wanted them. You could sell seeds and stuff there, but you had to um, have so much of it that was free or any, you know, people can get, you know, a 10 pack or whatever for free before they had to pay for it or whatever. I thought that was super, super cool way of doing it to where like you could still support people but still have, you know, pay that it was only people that were willing to give, you know what I mean? I thought that was a really, really cool way to kind of handle the vendor side of it. Uh, and it was really great. They had a little food thing. They had a live music. live music that was really good. And it was like all just cannabis industry people that like grows and dispensaries. And, they have bongs. They bring to your table yeah, for you. All yeah. nice and brand new looking. Yeah. They service you like you're at a bar here. So they like come by your table and read your glass. If you have a bottle of Coke, they'll put new ice in your, in your glass and put Coke or water or whatever it is that you had in there. And uh, same thing with your bong. They'll come like refill your bong if you got it ground up there and everything yeah. for you. We had that one guy. He kept coming over, uh, oh, testing yeah. doobies of different flavor stuff he was growing. It was epic. Yeah, it was fun. So, yeah, all and- these social events look like incredible that have been going on. I think like that's where a lot of the cool shit's going to come from. Is it like all these people coming together and stuff? Is you know, in in England we like look at like 
these strain legends like DJ Short with the blues strains or like old timer one skunk and stuff like that. Whereas now we're kind of like we're not just hearing the stories, we're kind of living it in a in a way. We're kind of like there is this new cannabis revolutional wave that's going on and seeing the culture and the social like networking and communities coming out of it is really, really cool. Yeah, it kind of feels like uh, Colorado, like right after they legalized or Oklahoma, right after they had medical legalized or some of the other places, Jamaica, when they first legalized, I was on there for that. It kind of has this like the regulators don't know how to regulate it at all. So it's kind of like a free for all in some ways. You can kind of just if you know what you're doing, you can really get a lot done and experiment and do a lot of breeding and and pheno hunt a lot of cool stuff quickly because you know you don't have all these weird plant count restrictions and other stupid stuff like you do with the one in the law of the US, which is you know the, the best part of it. But um it really is kind of crazy to kind of see how how much there is that kind of sense of community here. And one of the things where I don't know, I had one or two people kind of tell me it wasn't going to be like that, but we've had nothing but but good times of networking with the different groups out in Bury Rum and in Bangkok and pretty much everywhere we go. And even like we were just up in Calco the other day and I just looked up where's the local backwoods dispensary and it was just like a little kind of tiny shop at the end of someone's house and they had a huge giant grow up on the hillside and they had been growing for a long time. We got a bunch of purple strains from them and so they, I bought, I got this bong, wonderful bamboo bong from them. Shout out to those guys up there. And that's traditional. So this is a this? traditional. They put the putty, put the, the putty. clay, the yeah. clay there. To, the whole that's really it. cool. That's the yeah. real. That's it. Knocks you sideways too. Great action on these. And there's no carb. You got yeah, to clear that. It. Yeah. You ain't got the lungs, and you can't play with the team basically. Yeah. So it really is kind of like a fun. You know, you can roll up anywhere and got a couple seeds to share or whatever. And I always. You know, bring around some Thai seeds, and then we always have some stuff that we've we've done some crosses with some dosido -do and stuff like that. That kind of gives them some extra chunkiness to them, but still, a lot of the seeds will still be much more on that that Thai Thai side. So, yeah, that's kind of the cool thing now is you know a lot of Thai strains is the yield and stuff on them is can be minimal <laughs> on yeah. some genetics. So, like seeing like the ability to keep these. Thai land race or native characteristics and terpenes but kind of add the kind of westernized bulk to the plant is it, that that's so cool to see is because a lot of people they're going to dismiss a lot of the kind of baseline land race genetics because of how it looks or whatever but if you can kind of sugarcoat that experience for people in the form of like oh this looks like a good like Californian quote-unquote style bud that's going to kind of open up things massively. And I think there's going to be a lot of different people trying a lot of different stuff. And again, it's just like, I just like wonder what, what we're going to see come out in the next couple of years. And it's just, it's exciting for me as well to see the amount of creativity that people are putting into it. Not only that, but there's just so many different growers around. You know, every little village is, you know, a couple of different people that have been growing for a long time that are now kind of out in the open about it and have a little shop in their village and everything. And 
should just the little area where we have, we don't have that big of a population, but we have probably four or five different little dispensaries within about 10, 15 minutes of us where I live. So. Yeah, it's a little bit of a wild weed west at the moment because the, the amount of people getting into it baffled me in a way. I mean, I'm, I'm all for it, but I can definitely see some people not going to like make it sadly because there's going to be massive inflation in certain places bangkok's crazy some places in bangkok you walk down the street and it's dispensary 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 and with a lot of them it's the same shit that they're selling as well you know you go in one dispensary it's sugarcane second dispensary sugarcane i made the, i made a joke the other day to a thai friend that like they should just make thai uh, sugarcane a thailand race because of how overused it is in thailand like it just deserves to be thai now and i think it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing you know i think it's going to create healthy competition it's going to weed out the people selling the same kind of stuff so it, but it's crazy it, it's really is crazy in some places like the classic cow san road you go down there now and god damn it the amount of people selling weed the amount of fucking people selling weed now i i made a joke about it but when i was there there was legit one of those classic guys where he opens up his coat jacket and he's got bloody baggies on the inside of strain labels on it it's hilarious and it that was crazy it's <laughs> it's so open and the amount of different people getting into it like i don't know if you guys know uh the place crazy role in bangkok like the guy runs that he's a cop <laughs> he's a police officer like main job but you know he's really into it and it's so cool to see these people being able to express themselves properly now and the that, that's what's cool to me is yeah it's kind of everywhere some places you see weed neon signs of weed leaves over and over and over again but that's going to calm down but it is, it is kind of cool. Like, so Cal, we went, I took my, my buddy to Kalsan and Kalsan and Pattaya, both the walks. I did all the little street tables. I asked them all for the, for Thai seats because I thought it would be really funny just to like go down both of these ultra tourist areas and see if literally like any of them had Thai seats. And I, both of them, I found like three people that had decent Thai seats that were like not just out of brick weed. There's definitely some people that you can clearly tell they had just pulled out of some brickweed in the back and said that it was some Thai stuff. And it's like, dude, no, that stuff is compressed and it's black. I, I can see what that is. Hot. Yeah, it's been cooked. Yeah, it's def definitely interesting to see what kind of... <laughs> there's definitely people out there trying to uh, sell stuff that's definitely not passable, even in when it comes to seeds or wherever it comes to... The bud itself i mean that's kind of one i guess i guess the one problem i have with thai cannabis is kind of the the, the quality all around is if, if you look at it as a whole isn't kind of there yet there is a lot of growers that sadly have just started growing and they don't know i mean the main example is like guess i've seen a lot of bud rot from kind of local growers or kind of newer growers there's a lot of bud rot going around and it's very hard as well to kind of i guess educate some people on this because they kind of take it really badly like saving face in thailand is such a massive thing and it's kind of hard to say listen i know you're trying to make your way and stuff but i'm trying to help you by just pointing this shit out 
Uh, that's that's real. That's hundred because uh, your face is everything here. Yeah, it, it's crazy because I think like I, to me, Thailand is a very, very kind of free country compared to some of like Westernized restrictions. But when it comes to talking about things or talking about someone or their business, you've got to be goddamn careful with what you say because you can get fucked up. It's no bueno. Yeah, I can get you in some hot water quick. For sure. Yeah, I just kind of hope that kind of more people can kind of humble themselves a little bit and be able to take these criticisms because it's going to be what's needed for the future. You know, if we want to keep the ball rolling as people are going to have to take these little knocks on the head as not like a, a diss to like your reputation and your business, but as like a just like a, you know, I think a lot of people at the end of the day are just trying to help each other. Well, in the States, we call that bringing something to somebody's attention. But over here, you got to watch how you present it. Exactly, yeah, I've, man. I've had people get real butthurt at me here for uh, pointing out mold on their stuff. And it's like, well, not not saying that you're bad. I'm just saying that that, that you have mold here. Like, I don't know you what know. you want me to tell you. <laughs> like, like if I could, if I kept producing like rotten bud and I was just up my ass about it, I would hope someone would like kind of enlighten me about it because I don't want to waste my time. Then if I'm not making something that's worth quality and I'm just being all snooty about it, there's there's no point. There's no evolution or development with that, you know. Especially with cannabis, I think the mistakes you make are some of the most important things you can do. Is the mistakes so like let people point them out you know oh yeah for sure some of the most important things failure you learn more from mistake yeah like we had canis on the podcast and he said the main thing that he focuses on with his growers even if it goes good or even if it goes bad is what can he do from this grow to make it better for the next one that's that's the mentality i think a lot of people should have is like if you are producing what you think is good or just producing a quality of something doesn't mean that you know there's no room for improvement because there always is oh for sure we also have a, a wes joining us there uh wes big up um, how's everyone tonight hope you guys are well hey wes how do you do good man good 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 yeah, I, uh, definitely can be an issue out here with people getting, uh, not understanding how to take, you know, pointing out issues that, that, that they have. It's necessary, but you've got to put them, got to say it the right way. Well, to, they can't say shit, basically. Well, to me, it's not even about any of that, right? It's not about trying to, like, put somebody down. It's that it's not a about, lot of people that about, are taking cannabis are really sick or have cancer they have some mm-hmm. other issue and these are like fragile people that can't handle secondary health problems yep. and, and that's something where you could make something extremely sick if you're if you're doing that and that to me is why i bring it up is it's not not to be mean to anybody it's not to be rude or anything like that it's hey like you, you can't sell that to someone as medicine at least and because and, and, you can make them sicker exactly and like 
I think as well, like if that happened, like if that started becoming like commonplace that people are getting bad medicine, then the people who hate cannabis are going to harp onto that and be like, look, we told you, we told you so when the reality is like, well, no, it was just grown wrong. The same as like with anything, it can be bad or it can be good. You know, it, it depends how it's made, how much con uh, like how much love has gone into it. You know, if you just if there's there's so many people that are just growing for the sake of growing without it being kind of any influence of like their interest into it other than, oh, I, this is popular now I can make some money on it. But there's so many people doing that that are going to make bad quality stuff. And if people do start getting ill, it's going to be—it's not going to be good for anyone. Oh, that you see, I we see it all the time. We go to some grows and they're using Avid, and they're you know now all the other plants um, that aren't the cannabis plants on the edge of the grow sure. have like thrips or other bug problems, but not one of the cannabis plants has a blemish on the whole farm. And then you, you walk over and you see the bottle of Avid. Yeah, but it's not, you're like, you gotta realize it's not, uh, it's not Avid. It's, 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 it's light years ahead of Avid stuff. It's, yeah, anyway, Avid, it's Avid, like, if you look at the main thing that does the whacking in Avid, it's 0 0.02. This one's like 4%. This is, this is one, no, it's 1.8. That is like 1. 10 8. times, or I only know how much stronger. Like I said, this stuff makes it's Avid. Not good. You can drink Avid, you can drink shit. Well, you wouldn't want to drink Avid. Well, don't I'm not Avid. saying, bro. It's just like yeah, just... disclaimer: don't, don't drink Avid. No, I'm. Just... <laughs> um, um, never ever drink never Avid. drink any pesticides for that one. <laughs> we don't we don't we don't encourage anyone. No, yeah, you don't want to get that. Uh, but okay? yeah, yeah, and you can absorb it through your skin. Don't but... ever let that stuff. If you're gonna spray, but... maybe, you know, a hazmat suit. If you spray that stuff, if you do. I wouldn't ever. Well, we've definitely had some stuff that yeah. we smoke from people and instant, I, like, instantly, like my throat is scorched and you can tell that they've been spraying some funky stuff on it. Like, I think that's the biggest thing that I'm more concerned about in Thailand is like education for farmers in terms of what is like the proper, Insane. proper pesticide. Yeah, there's so much more that is works safe. great. Than yeah. That shit. And trying to steer people towards you know, the right groups of people. SV Biotech has a lot of great safe options and, and, and kind of just educating on it. Because I think a lot of people have, have good intent. They're, they're not trying to do anything wrong. They just, no one's told them that that's not a good thing, right? Just from lack of, of it being available information, you know? And how strong it really is and how bad yeah. it really is. And how long yeah. it lasts in the, in the material. Yeah, there's a lot of people that like, you know, you go to the grow and you'll see that terrible goddamn brown bottle. And like, <laughs> if, like I, I, I get it. But like, you know, I understand that a lot of the time people are just doing it because they thought, oh, but I need to use this because my plant won't grow or, or it will get attacked and stuff. They don't understand the kind of like, well, then this thing is then also going to be consumed. You know, this is it's not something that's just for show you know I, you know if you were growing this growing these plants just for them to look pretty and no one's going to touch them yeah do what you like to it but as soon as it comes to that human interaction element it, it's just it's not good at all and i think you're right a lot of a lot of farmers especially a lot of the kind of more rural farmers need to kind of just know this and not take it as like an insult it's just no we're just we're just letting you know so you don't you know do anything or harm anyone with pesticide shit 
Well, me and a buddy of mine have been trying to put together a whitelist of like, here's a whole bunch of good stuff that we've been able to find on like Shopee and Lazada and the other big common places that people are buying this stuff. All of these things are super safe, or at least currently considered safe, according to what is known <laughs> at the time. Uh, and then just try putting it all in time, putting it out for free and trying to just, it's, it, that's the only way we're going to change some of this stuff is, hey, look, like, here's a whole bunch of great free information, you know, use it, please. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a brilliant idea to do. And like, please do that because I'm, I will happily spread that white list around because it needs to happen i don't want that's the again that's like my main thing is like the the kind of bad connotations of thai cannabis is this there needs to be more education absolutely and and you know especially with a lot of the you know you do have quite a few different languages that are spoken in thailand and different dialects mm. can be a little bit tricky to kind of uh translate to all the different groups yeah, I've even had some of my like Thai homies argue with each other because they've kind of not understood what the other person said correctly, and it's been kind of funny to see. Oh yeah, well, they speak mo- mostly uh, uh, Isan here or Lao in Thai because I yeah, Lao in Thai makes say put these on or put tired it's like tired yeah it's like, like oh, it's like a mix yeah where we are but uh yeah it's definitely uh very different depending on what part of the country um what have been some of the interesting challenges or, or different things that you've um either heard from some of your guests or you had yourself growing in thailand for trying to, to work with groups in thailand i i guess kind of like one thing that is kind of difficult is there's a lot of the and again i don't fault them for it but there's a kind of a lot of the cannabis hype men kind of coming over to thailand and kind of having a lot of that kind of california well i've got fifteen thousand followers on instagram kind of influence and it's like it's a bit uh, it's difficult to kind of interact with some people because a lot of the time it's well not a lot of the time but like sometimes there are people that are just they're just trying to make a book and they're just trying to promote like their brand in a way without giving an actual shit about thailand it's kind of like some people have seen an opportunity because of thai cannabis and they just came over here and they're hyping on it and so it's it's been hard to kind of interact with some people because uh i don't know there's a lot of ego I think with some of the kind of people who are quote unquote influencers, I guess, in Thai cannabis. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, uh, uh, definitely dealt with some of that over the years. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, it's, it's kind of weird to me. Cause like, to me, I have the mentality when it comes to Thailand, especially is like, everyone's very friendly everyone it's the land of smiles you know and then when you get these egos that come in it's just like you're in thailand calm down <laughs> yeah definitely uh definitely interesting to see for sure and then also uh, anyways how, how some people kind of like 
still have this weird like idol worship for for some of the celebrity people in the industry. I just I don't understand that part of it. Like, it, yeah, it's it's just it's really weird to me because I just like I understand having like idols and heroes and stuff, but like sometimes people just take it very very too far, and like especially with a lot of like my thai friends they're focusing on these western businesses and stuff and i'm like why why don't you do it yourself like make a thai brand i don't want you know as, as soon as like importation i mean exportation happens with thailand and stuff like what what's thailand gonna do they just gonna export stuff in a cookie is mylar like but no why, why why would they do that start your own brand make your own kind of shit you know it's just uh, I don't want to see people follow others. I want to see people create their own shit to be followed. You know, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we we try we and we we work together. Me and him and a couple of other people out here, other Thai people. Some of them are Thais and some of them are Frongs, like us. Uh, and we you know trade seeds and stuff, and are you know trading clones and cuts and stuff like that. But trying to kind of support each other and then hey if somebody needs this kind of clones this guy's got them somebody needs these kind of seeds this guy's got them and we all kind of work together that way and i think you're going to see a lot more of that kind of little community thing is people are already used to doing that in their villages and stuff out here right like that's a normal way of like working together to do business mm -hmm. yeah, yeah kind of yeah but but, yeah more like community and like co-op kind of stuff out here is much more uh common and I, i'm kind of hoping that that legally kind of remains still a, an option because you know you did have some places in like the states that kind of try to eradicate some of that stuff um the other thing i hope they don't they won't do anything about is the cannabis events you know it, it has been nice to kind of have some some you know officially sanctioned events where everyone kind of just come and chill and you know, some of the lounges and stuff that you see now, it's nice to have a place where you can kind of go and smoke and have a drink and order food and you know, there's no problem, you know. I've only really seen that openly like that in Canada and Oklahoma. You don't really have too many other places outside of that that you kind of have that kind of freedom to do all those. Yeah, it does like it does make me worry with like a little bit with the government and stuff. Like, are they going to go a bit like the kind of America, California route where you need so much amount of income to start off with before you're even allowed to contemplate opening a store? Because then that's just going to ruin business for so many people, not even just business, but lifestyle in a way. Because what was cool to me in Thailand is like, like leaving Bangkok and like going on the way to and like there's just a, a restaurant on the side of the road and they're just casually selling joints and stuff and it's like well if that was america that would that, that, that place would be shut down straight away whereas the kind of free roam that people have in thailand with cannabis that's kind of the beauty because it's allowing way different types of expression it's and it's like you know it's bringing the co-op thing especially it's bringing all these people together in a kind of more communal sense instead of like looking at cannabis as these like oh there's these breeders that we never meet but we hear of them and stuff like it's so cool when you go to like some dispensaries and they're like oh do you want to see the farm like you go to america and they're like you, you, they want to let you see the farm just casually because you know it's, it's so commercial and shit over there whereas in thailand the expressiveness of just being like 
oh, just Uncle Boonmi's just been growing cannabis for 10 years and now he's allowed to talk about it. Come look at his farm and shit. That's what's cool to me is the open free roam of cannabis. And I just, I really do hope that that stays. I don't want the kind of, well, you have to have a million dollars to start off with. You need to wait on a waiting list for two years. And uh, like the freedom is what's kind of the most powerful thing for me, I think. That and just the low cost of entry into the market too. You know, it's like 3,000 bot to get into the market. So, you know, that's that's nothing. You know, the, the exchange rates with 33 to one right now. Something like that. So you're looking at like, hold on, 3,000 divided by 33. Look at it, yeah, about $100, 90 to $100, depending on the day. No, yeah, and I think that that's where it, that's where it's really cool because the, like if you look at America, the real place and what's really thriving in America with the weed industry is the black market, because even though it is the black market, it has this more f- like freedom aspect to it. You know, people without millions can get into it, and that's why I like that Thailand has this level of kind of free, uh, like a free black market in a way. Yeah, it's, it's very uh, awesome. Very interesting to kind of see how they do that. To kind of see how that all how that all pans out in the long run as well. You know. Yeah, I I I cross my fingers and I kind of pray that we keep the the freedom of it. But at the end of the day, we all know the government's going to want their slice of the pie in some aspect or other. Oh, I definitely like. You know, listen, you, you have to tax it enough to like pay for them to do like at least some level of inspections. And then, you know, I think in, in, a, in a country like Thailand, and I recommended this too when I was in Jamaica to them, was, you know, to think about having some kind of thing where, hey, if someone does get sick from something, they have to then send it in a sample. And then, you know, if that comes in hot, then they can be fined or something like that. But Maybe not require the farmers to test every batch the way that you do in the West because it's just too expensive, right? Like for the for most of the producers. Yeah, I think it'd be good to have like not like a complete seed to sale system, but something implemented for like these big farms and stuff that will be like if I think especially if you're going to down the route of right, we want to be a medical based grow. I think it's important to have these things so that, you know, we don't fuck up or we don't kind of like it, it's it, more information is always good information, in my opinion. So like knowing about your weed and if you get a bad batch or a good batch, it's it's important for everyone, including like yourself as a grower. That's one second. Let me uh, maybe Wes can take over for a second. It's all good. Um, or do you want to tell us maybe about your latest uh, couple of episodes and maybe a little bit more uh, about your podcast, some of the different interesting ones that you guys have found so far? Yeah, sure, man. I mean, we've just kind of at the moment trying to cover kind of a wide variety of different people. 
to begin with, we didn't really like know who we were going to interview. So it's been kind of interesting seeing the amount of people who like want to share their story. Uh, like the classic episode, our like first kind of major episode with like Zomia Seed Collective was really interesting to get yep. people in, like really interested in land race cannabis in Thailand and stuff. And we've also covered with like growers like uh, Canes. He was a grower before like pre-legalization and talking to a grower about like how different it is now coming from a, a legal situation, an illegal situation to a legal situation has been really cool uh just we, we try and just cover a lot of different kind of types of people in the thai weed community just to showcase you know everything that's going on nice nice <clears throat> and uh so what so how what what brought you in? what how did you get into the cannabis industry what was your what was your starting point what what brought you in uh, even uh, it's, it's a, a long story, but uh, right. well, long story is a good one. <laughs> so with cannabis, really, I didn't really get into as a whole. I didn't really get into it as the aspect of like, oh, I just want to get high. There was kind of a lot of people in my life that were afflicted with different kind of things. I lost my granddad. I lost my aunt to cancer. There's people I know that like have body dysmorphia and stuff. And I was just looking at different shit being like, well, there's got to be something in the world that can like do something for these people. So I like, you know, went down the classic Rick Simpson route and like learned everything through that about RSO oil. Like that was kind of my main thing back early on, I guess you could say in England is like a lot of the time uh, I'd be like friends, quote unquote, or work with, quote unquote, with growers that were mainly doing the aspect of like making RSO for people. So that's kind of my background is more the kind of the medical yeah. stuff. Like I kind of became a stoner years As after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Well, that's a good way to get into it. That's awesome. Thank you, man. You muted their phone. Yeah, no, I hit the wrong button there. Um, mm -hmm. uh, do you have any uh, um, guests that you have coming up that you're excited for uh, or any um, other events coming up? Um, you know, uh, I know you guys have a, like a Sonkron event coming up somewhere in Chiang Mai. And then I know we have, we're having a big April 14th party here at our farm. Uh, if anyone's in Pachaboon or nearby, hit me up. We'll, uh, We'll definitely uh, get together. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we have a, go swimming, have some nice, nice food, smoke some good weed. We have a bunch of different testers and stuff for people to try and things like that. So, yeah, song. I think Songkrang this year is, is going to be a big one. You know, it, it's the kind of the first real one after COVID, yeah. and it's you know, and now with cannabis as well, it, people are just going to go all out. And like, I'm excited to see. Like there's a few different events that like I can't even name all of them in Chiang Mai going off. Like I think like every different dispensary is kind of doing a thing for the day. It's kind of interesting to see. And like I I, I think it's gonna be really cool, Songkran, with you know the new cannabis influence with it, you know. There's gonna be a lot of parties going on. <laughs> yeah, it's the funnest thing is bombing around just on a scooter. I tell you too, I've had so fun just going to the stops, just, you know. 
Yeah. Well, they stop you. You have no choice. They literally stop you. <laughs> yeah, but and like with the podcast, I mean, we've got some interesting people. Like there was the Phuket uh, uh, Cannabis Cup last weekend. So like, want to get a few people on, like Poon Warrett, who was the guy who organized it all, like just to talk about, you know the nuances and kind of the the cool like it's cool to me especially seeing like uh, i'm not big for westernized aspects of things but kind of a cannabis cups and stuff i i i can see where there is like, like bad shit that happens with it, but that's kind of cool to see this kind of competitiveness go on because that's what's going to breed out some real good stuff i think and like that's the kind of the main thing is i'm focusing on for guests at the moment and stuff to come on the podcast is like mainly breeders, be it Farang or Thai or people who are like really trying to focus on or innovate something for themselves in Thailand, you know, instead of just like talking, I, I can talk to generic growers forever, you know, I love doing it and hearing these tips, but it's like, I want to know, I want to talk to the people that are like really like thinking 10 years in the future, like what they want to do with this stuff. So yeah, there's a few interesting people lined up. I'll say that. <laughs> That's great. I know uh, myself and uh, HBK, Eric from HBK, will be down at um, there's a cannabis cup on 420, 421, 422 down in Bangkok. Uh, and we'll be down there. Uh, we'll have more information on that available here soon. But uh, we'll be the some of the judges down there for that competition. And we'll have a booth set up and stuff like that down there. So. Um, definitely come check that out if you guys are in Bangkok for sure that'd be a lot of fun that'd be really cool man yeah for sure keep me posted on that yeah and uh definitely uh have to have you come up to the farm once you get back to the kingdom uh uh whatever that is oh yeah in, in a, I'll be back in a couple of months and I'm going to be here there and everywhere the amount of people and different farms and just man my my roster for when I go to Thailand is I'm going to be a busy as fuck it's why i'm like up at five in the morning in the uk doing this shit because i'm excited i can't wait to be back over it's even been just a few months and just seeing so much cool shit going on i can't wait to be back yeah and, and it, it really is kind of wild the other funny thing I, I think i wanted to point out at least in the early i don't see it as much anymore but when i first got here is I think I've seen about every state in the United States with legal, like warning label, like CA and MI, CO, and Oklahoma branded. I posted that on my Instagram the first night when I was down here on Cosan Street. They have like Oklahoma pre rolls and like all this stuff. And you don't really see that as much anymore. It's still around, but. They've definitely uh, cracked down on a lot of the import stuff, at least what's, in, what's sold in public anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of glad in a way because I'm I'm not one for import stuff because to me it's like, well, this whole new market is now available. Why bother importing when like, what what? that's not the point. Now you can grow. Now you can make your own shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, but... The price when it's thousand baht a gram or eight hundred baht a gram, you know, you're not going to get that in the states. So, oh uh, yes, yeah, that's why a lot of people are, are doing it. Hundred gram in the islands. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, I, it does make me wonder when the kind of uh, plateau in the price is going to happen. <laughs> Some places are crazy with their prices. And it's it's interesting to see, like, you'll go to, like, a village and they're selling, like, weed for ridiculously cheap. But you go to anywhere, there's, a, like, a connotation of tourism. As soon as there's, like, tourists near, it's instantly 800 baht plus to like like that twelve thousand baht like what i don't even know how people are paying this i don't know i don't know why they're paying it but they are apparently yeah but for sure the uh it's it's pretty hilarious uh i know we can get stuff for one to two hundred baht a gram at the local place here in, in the village that's decent it's it's not the best stuff in the world but it's not it's organic and it's not been sprayed with anything weird so it smokes clean, so it's you know it's not basically it's, it's if they not they get off the cure right. I mean yeah, that's the biggest it, thing. They let it ride pretty much, and they don't pull early. Like it's a big problem over here. People think they think it's finished. It's not. You got a whole nother whatever two weeks at least. Sometimes I see yeah. stuff my buddies that they don't now though. But um, but after that you cut it, that's the most important thing. It's what you do with it after you cut it and. And they're now, and a lot, it's, like I said, it's, they're learning, uh, but right now that's what's, what's going to be on, on a hit is whoever knows how to, to finish it, cure it right, because anybody can have the fire genetics, I don't care how good it is, if you screw up the end of it, you just lost the whole game. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely, man. So many people underestimate the curing process. It's, it's kind of hilarious to see some, like, how people have gone about curing. I mean, I saw in the North, there was one guy who thought it'd be okay to just shove his weed in his uh, old-style tea drying shack. And it that's tea. It's completely different. It's still way too humid. And you come back, like, a couple of weeks later, and you're just looking at some worn out weed is the only way the best way to describe it <laughs> absolutely yeah and it, it is especially when you, the farther you get from the the main downtown areas with the the import stuff to compare to the, the stranger the stuff that you see there for sure you know quality reflects price to anything doesn't matter what it is and if, yep. like i said if you if you know how to if you know how to take care of your stuff and you and you get down to the bottom of the ninth, which is the, the cure process, and you crush out the cure, and you got you got what everybody wants, especially if it's got the nose. It's what it, then you it's up to you what really because now you got something that's you know the, the smoke is what it's about. That's what you're doing. So you finished product. That's what cure is. It's not, I think cure is almost eighty percent of the whole thing. Yeah. More. Yeah, we're hanging them for like five days, six days. And then uh, slow cure, man. Two and cures, and yeah. then putting them in a the bag and then let them dry out the rest of the way. Yeah, because the, the, the AC in here, I mean, it's one hundred five degrees here every day, uh, every day. So the air conditioning's running the whole time, so it dehues the room really. In the last chlorophyll lock yeah, but, for days, you you yeah, but really we, weave it to AC. You got to use it as a mediator. So yeah, we use it to cure your pot. We end up keeping it around 60 percent. Yeah, uh, and that dries them down to where they're just enough to start snapping the stems, mm. and then once once they're nice and not not completely dry but mostly dry, then I'll bag them up and then I'll, I'll leave them there with the bag just kind of cracked open, and then you know I'll open them up and kind of fluff them up you know every other day and 
that seems to work really well, at least for the test batches. But when we do the bigger batches, what I do is I set them all up in five gallon buckets with lids. And then I run nipples on the back of them with an aquarium air pump. And then we run teas and we run all that with just the air pump. And then I have the air pump kick on for like 30, 45 minutes and with like a plate on the bottom so that the, uh, it pumps the air evenly through the bottom. And then you just put a, you know, like the, uh, the air burpers like you use for like home brewing it has like yeah, the yeah. S with the water chamber. You just put the water in there and then you can run all of those. And what it does is it kind of airlocks it and allows the air to kind of absorb a bunch of the moisture from the plants. And then you can burp it off uh, through the top without having like any contamination or anything. And you can, you can cure a whole bunch of them that way, all in like a rack with them all plugged into the, the air pump and the timer. And it makes it really efficient, and easy. That actually sounds like a really good process. I might have to steal that. Sorry. <laughs> No, no, totally. Uh, it, it, it's low tech. It doesn't cost very much money. You can scale it to like any size. You, you can do it with 50, like, I don't know if I would do it with 55 gallon drums, but you can certainly do it with like tough tote size stuff. As long as you had a plate on the bottom to like disperse the air evenly to, to go up through the bud. That's the biggest thing. Or run an airline that has like a coil that has holes in it to like diffuse out more evenly or, or air stones with like a splitter. You know what I mean? Like, whatever is going to work a little bit better for that, but it does work really well when you're trying to cure a lot of large volumes really quickly. Yeah. I think curing is very important, especially with in Thailand, you know, the humidity is crazy. And like when I was back over in September, October last year, there was like a few like samples of weed that I got from just odd people that I was like, I need to put this away for a a week or so before i would smoke this like and i'm not gonna be here next week so you know what do i do like i had to give away some weed to like friends just to put in a jar to cure longer because some people like i've, I've noticed as well a lot of like farangs coming over they're like it's, they they're using the techniques and kind of the style of stuff that they would do back home is that that's not going to fly in Thailand. You know, it's a completely different climate. If you're like used to like maybe an outdoor grower in Canada, did you know how different that is to being an outdoor grower in Thailand? <laughs> Way different. So the it, it's I think especially with the curing and this, it just seems humidity is a bitch. That's that's what it seems to be to me. Yeah, a lot of people, and that's one of the things I've noticed a lot here too at the front, especially the ones that are moaning and groaning about grow problems um, that I hear is a lot of them have never grown in this time. I've grown in Jamaica and in Africa that are almost identical to here. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, are you talking? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when it comes down to greenhouse design and, and you know, split tops at the top and uh, you know, all the different ways of dealing with the humidity and pest control and, and, you know, kind of preloading everything up with probiotics, especially on mold going into early flowers so that, you know, those plants kind of have a biological immune system on the outside of the plant really is the make or break on, on stuff out here. And if you aren't used to dealing with that and the heat, like mitigating heat stress and making sure you have high silica levels available for the plant to kind of mitigate a lot of those heat issues. Uh, that you'll see if you don't otherwise. But even with that, like we still have some stuff that just literally just melted in the sun 
uh, when we moved it outside out of the greenhouse. So, yeah, the the unpredictability of Thai heat and weather is is something I both look forward to and don't look forward to for when I'm getting over there regarding growing. It, I'm like excited for the kind of challenge and the aspect, but again, it's going to be a, a bit of a learning curve. I can't really use the uh, outdoor tomato growing style of British weather <laughs> in in uh, Thailand. It won't work. <laughs> I definitely look forward to the uh, the rain starting again because then I don't have to water my pitcher plants. I just they're on the side of the house. They get plenty of rain on them. I just have to water them like every day right now. <laughs> Yeah, th thinking about the amount of plants some people have and the watering they do, I feel sorry for people. <laughs> That's why we have all of our, all the new bays, all the new flowering bays, they're all in troughs. So we can flood the troughs with just a couple inches of water or we can water them and any runoff stays within the thing. And then any extra runoff just goes back into the pond. You know, we have, we can plug it for a little while and then you know allow everything to wick up enough water to where we're happy and then uh you know send it out to the pond and uh, you know, whatever is left over yeah the tr troughs definitely seem like a bit of a game changer i've seen a lot of people implement it into their grows lately as as well as like one interesting thing is seeing like a few people doing like shrimp based aquaponics and stuff like they do that with like vegetables and i've seen a few people kind of implementing that with weed which is really really cool to see like i'm a, I'm a shrimp grower at home like I, i'm staring at my shrimp tank right now so just thinking about that kind of cool aspect to do in thailand like I, I, that that's a cool thing for me the shrimp can be really tricky to do with cannabis because they're very sensitive to potassium um which can become a problem um with the uh uh flowering cannabis in particular but yeah that's my kind of main learning curve at the moment is learning how to balance that out again like with nitrates and stuff with it's it, it's it's like a, a natural chemistry in a way it seems fun <laughs> oh yeah well that's 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 how we're doing all of our flowering is with, with aquaponic water from the pond filled with fish and all kinds of other things and then we're uh, we're going to add a bunch more and add aeration to that and then we pre-use that water, which is a heavy nitrogen source and among other things. And then we adjust the pH of it and then we can adjust the nutrients in that if we need to with, you know, ferments or uh, you know, fish ferments and plant ferments and uh, fresh cane duff that we can ferment and all the rest of it. And then mix that all together depending on what we need and then send that out to the plants and, and feed them from there. And then, like I said, all the runoff can go back to the pond and, and we reuse it. So. No, that's really cool, man. That's really cool. And uh, I I hope you don't mind, but I've got to go in a minute, guys, if that's all right. So just if, just if um, like, you have any more questions or anything, just, yeah, shoot. <laughs> yeah, if anybody in chat has any other questions, um, we'll be sure to put up your stuff here. So this is Siam's uh, Smoke Sessions. Be sure to check them out. We got Infamous, uh, our good friend on there. We got uh, all kinds of other awesome interviews with... Uh, Yoda King Grow, um, uh, William Fry, you got Boss Costa, you got Mendel of Hot Thai High, uh, all different types of great people. You got our friend uh, Thai Terp, she's been on the show before, and all kinds of other great people. So um, be sure to check that out. Um, you guys can uh, learn a whole lot about at least the Thai cannabis scene 
also has on um, Spotify. You can also check them out over there if you want to get those interviews. Uh, a lesson on that. Much appreciated, man. It means a lot. And again, thank you for having me on. It, it's always a pleasure to speak with fellow uh, passionate people in the cannabis field, especially when it comes to Thailand. You know, at the end of the day, you, with cannabis or without cannabis, I'm a massive Thailand fanboy. So, well, it's a beautiful country with amazing food and uh, like really fun culture. People are friendly for the most part. You know, a few people here and there are a little bit cranky, but everywhere <laughs> has that. But um, for the most part, I just have an absolute blast all the time here and uh, certainly is a wonderful place that people should visit. I'm glad, man. That's what I like to hear. I, I want everyone to have a f- fall in love with Thailand, at least with some aspect. I can never make it back home, Kelly. I'll never go home. Yeah, it is kind of weird to think about everything. Yeah, I've been yeah, it's too long because it's, uh, I don't know. You come over here, you stay long enough, it grows on big time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's, like a, it's like a welcomed parasite. It, once it's in your blood, you ain't getting rid of it. You don't go back from Thailand. A lot of people I know, I mean, a lot of people I know who've came on just one visit and then been like, I kind of don't want to leave, and they don't. It's kind of really cool to see. <laughs> I don't know what happened to me. I got family family here. So, you know, that's kind of different. Of course, my my family's here. But even even if I didn't have family here, uh, you know, if I came here even without family, I would fall in love with this place. It's just, Thailand's amazing, man. I've only scratched the surface. That's how I feel. I haven't seen nothing yet. Oh, yeah. Day day by day, I find something new. I think I've heard all about Thailand and then I've, yeah. I only scratched the surface. It's such a deep, interesting country. And I think now with like the amount of tourism that's going to come with cannabis, it's like Thailand's going to go way up on the global stage. People are going to see that, oh, this place is like a garden of Eden on this confusing but flock of a planet. Yeah, it is. I don't think, I don't think being open like this, this I don't think you could pick a better place to tell you the truth. Because I tell you, back in the day, this was the cannabis kingdom. Back in the late 60s, 70s, and well, the second for the 80s there, uh, you couldn't hear the, the people talk about cannabis without Thai being in it. Mm. Uh, almost 75% of the conversations, I swear, I swear that's how it was. Yeah, that, that I, that's why I truly think we're like, in the new 60s we're, we're gonna have this kind of cannabis renaissance now and it's it's just it's beautiful to watch even even being in england i just look at instagram and every day it's just so incredible to see if they make the right decisions this place is going to snatch the cannabis torch back real quick from everywhere this is, this is going to be the going to take it back this was the number one i believe i'm not saying number one i'm saying it was the most almost talked about afghan of course i mean i can't say that about spain and all these places that have fire uh, you know, central, you know, all these places, but this place was very special back in the day, and they uh, they were allowed in the states. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure, guys. And again, thank you. So I I gotta get going, but I I just want to say thank you again, guys. Like it's been a real pleasure, truly. And I I'm excited to see what more you guys are doing and what else comes out in the future. Awesome. Yeah, guys, be sure to check him out at Siam Smoke Sessions uh, on uh, all the platforms, YouTube, uh, Instagram. You can find links to both of those uh, and his Spotify in the description. 
on whatever version or platform you're listening to this on. Sweet. Thanks, man. I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys have a good rest of your day. I mean, I'm going to go sleep a little bit before I start mine. But <laughs> yeah, I hope you guys all have a good one. Cheers. Thank you so much. You're welcome, man. I'll, I'll speak to you guys soon. Have a good one. See you, man. Always fun to have uh, people on from the UK. Uh, it is a bit uh, a bit rough on the on the time zones. Um, <laughs> trying to line up the UK, Thailand, and the West and the United States is like basically impossible. So someone has someone's going to get the short end of the stick on that on a, at some point, unfortunately. But uh, always fun to have different uh, Thai guests on, especially someone that's doing a lot of content in the in the Thai space and. Uh, Someone that we'll be partnering up with uh, uh, for uh, for our company here uh, in the future, and you guys will, will learn more about that here uh, when you listen to his next episode. So check that out. What's new with you, Wes? Anything? Uh, not too much since last night. Uh, just fucking busted my ass at work today. <laughs> Terrible fucking day. I had to hike into a fucking this incredibly. I was up a. I had to go profile a river. And uh, I had to hike way in on, on my snowshoes and shit. Still fucking deep up here, but it's breaking. It's breaking. I, uh, I always do enjoy snowshoeing. It was one of my favorite things in Colorado. It's so peaceful. And get out there and find a nice little place and just have a picnic and smoke a bowl in the snow. So it's so nice. I'm, I may or may not smoke a bowl, but uh, I don't really allegedly. get the same enjoyment. Yeah, allegedly enjoyment out of snowshoeing i would say uh, kind of worn out for me now but my uh my elderly neighbor here is, is here apparently so on that note i think we will wrap up the show um, right on uh <laughs> this is how it works in time uh, anyways uh how do you guys um find each other oh, uh, how do people find you there Wes? uh you oh, can uh you can find me on uh, all things West Engine and over at uh, that smoke show there on uh, Wednesday nights. We have a looser, looser show with a, a little different format. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, and where's the best place for people to find you, Potent? You can find me at SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, all the things. Um, you can also find, if you're in Thailand, you can reach out to us at Geneticam, uh, G-E-N-E-T-I-C-A-N on um, Line or whatever platform, geneticamth.com uh, or whatever else you want to reach us out on to, uh, to find out about the different cool stuff that we're doing out here. I think that's all I can say without uh, uh, getting ourselves into trouble, but uh, you can reach out to us on there. Um, anyways. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Uh, we do have some cool uh, bigger guests in the queue. Thanks, everybody. Take it easy.